Hello, and thanks for joining us on the podcast that discusses all things gaming. Coming to you from the home of Gen Con and the gaming capital of the world, this is The Established Facts. So now we're live. Um, all right. Welcome, everybody, to the Established Facts. Uh, my name is Derek Newton. I am not the host nor the substitute host. In fact, I'm one of the loud, or I'm the loud, foul-mouthed person on the podcast. Um, and we have a special topic episode right now, um, which I'll get to in a second. Our Regular hosts will be back, but I have a very um, great roundtable put together to talk about gays in gaming. So, uh, without further ado, um, like I said, I'm Derek Knudsen. I am uh, part of the regular people at the Established Facts, and that's about the only person you're going to get who's regular on the Established Facts. So let's find out who these uh, uh, other people are. Um, starting with Alex. Hey, my name is Alex Ioba. I've done everything from tabletop gaming to normal con LARP gaming to buffer LARP gaming uh, to online games. I played five years, so uh, I've basically played everything, but not really involved in podcasts. So this is fun. Sweet. Um, I've got three people from uh, Live via Satellite from... Somewhere up north, I think. Minnesota. All three of us are from Minnesota. All right. So uh, All right. Well, my name is Taylor LaBresh. I am a uh, student at the University of Minnesota. Um, I'm an English major, and I really like studying a lot of stuff. Um, gaming, uh, especially video games and RPGs, are like really interesting to me because of not only the um, the nonlinear narrative aspects of them. But also, especially like with tabletop RPGs, the interactive narrative is something that I am like really fascinated with. Um, so that I guess is my background. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, and other games like that since I was in like fourth grade, um, and I am a senior now uh, in college. So senior in college, in college. <laughs> yes, senior in college. I have graduated high school. If anyone is wondering, um, he does not live in his parents' basement. Well. Um, <laughs> that's part of being an English major. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Um, but yeah, I am an avid video gamer. Um, but my experience is kind of limited. Um, I primarily switch between the Mass Effect series and World of Warcraft. Cool. Um, I guess I'll go next. My name is Anthony Thangi. Um, I have been gaming since I. Well, gaming for almost 25 years. Um, I, as far as tabletop games, I've played D&D, Shadowrun, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, quite a few different games. Um, I do enjoy playing video games. Um, I enjoy 
couple of the Mass Effect games. Uh, Dragon Age I'm particularly very fond of. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. My name is Adam Gottfried. Uh, I am on two podcasts currently, Kicked in the Dice Bags and Side Project Podcast. I am an avid gamer, have been for the last 12 years. Yeah, 12 years. Uh, I've been GMing for just as long. I, I kind of dived in head first. I do enjoy the odd video game, but I have two children, so that makes it actually very difficult to play said video games. So, um, yeah, that's really about it. Cool. And uh, from New York. Hi, I'm Helen Kyer. I am a educational technologist by training. I run the support services for the online classes at John Jay College. I'm also an adjunct professor of public management at John Jay. And I've been a gamer probably, I think, since my freshman year of high school. Um, I am not going to say how many years that is now, but um, it's That's been a long time. It's been decades. I'm sorry? So that's why I went with years and not how long ago I started. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I play, uh, I was a very devoted Living Greyhawk player. I like the Living Campaign setups for RPGs. I'm currently playing Pathfinder Society. And in terms of video games, I play a lot of MMORGs. I played World of Warcraft for a long time. I've been currently playing Guild Wars. I, I, I'll try anything pretty much once with a video game, but I'm not fond of first-person shooters. Hmm. All right. Well, welcome, guys. I'm glad that you guys uh, decided to join me on this uh, special topic. Um, part of the impetus behind this is that it's a topic that I've wanted to discuss and bring uh, a good group to discuss about for a couple of years now. Um, and now that I've got, um, well, I'm part of a podcast, now I get to do these things. And um, there are a number of things that are bringing this into the spotlight. One is that there is a, a gaming convention in San Francisco um, that is dedicated to the LGBT community um, called GamerX. Um, that's happening in July where um, I and a couple other friends will be. Um and uh, I, I felt, especially since living Greyhawk, I felt that it was a um, underserved community, um, especially after the fifth time that like the players started hitting on the barmaid, or um, it just got on my nerves. So I made the most stereotypically gay character in living Greyhawk and see if it, <laughs> to see if they could. Uh, would allow me to get away with it. Um, so, and I bought the Xbox 360 solely to play pa Fable because it allowed me to uh, play a um, a gay character on it. Um, we are going to limit the discussion to video games and RPGs, um, primarily because it's tough to talk about trading card games and board games within this uh, topic if if such a discussion comes along, then it, it, we might put it into a, uh, an, another episode if we decide to continue on and make a series on this. Um, but per um, the established facts tradition, uh, we are going to uh, start off with a versus topic, and that is, is sexuality important in main characters? 
Um, and we're going to start off with Alex and go around the same way that we did introductions. Okay. No. Uh, hold on, Helen. What do you mean by main characters? You mean NPCs in the campaign or the characters we play? Characters that you play and the main character of a, a video game. So I guess, yeah, the main character that you would play. Yeah. Uh, cool. Go ahead, Alex. Okay, so no, I don't think it is. Well, you are next, Taylor, so you go. <laughs> oh, uh, I think it's extremely important. Um, uh, so, I mean, are we just are we just like lining up our opinions and then we're going yep, into it? Or we're going to like... line up our opinions and then we're going to defend them. Okay. okay. Uh, I think it depends on the game. Offense here. Okay. Well, <laughs> I get to shoot them. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're easy targets. I, I, I tend to agree that it does depend on the game, but I think overall the sexuality of the characters really vastly depends on the personal preferences of the person playing them. So, no, ultimately, I don't think it's that important. And Helen? Um, my response is a little bit along that lines. I think it has a huge... It depends hanging over it. Um, it can be important in an RPG depending upon the group, because it can add something really valuable to your role play. But then with other groups, you can have a very different play style, and it could just not fit in well, or the game could just be too combat heavy, and it's lower on, say, the role play side. So I think it depends upon the group you're playing with and the campaign itself. I think it's less important in video games, but it can be an interesting aspect to the game. All right, and I'm I'm going to actually say yes, it is important. Um, so we had uh, two no's. One was a very hard no. Uh, so Alex, why why isn't it important? Well, to me, I have played both gay characters and straight characters, and in every single game, when it would come up, it's entirely side. Most of the games we play tend to be very mission oriented, both video games and not. And I see it the same way I see my sexuality. I I was the one who was considered to be gay in high school, even though I was straight-ish. And to me, my sexuality is nobody's business. So the main character does the actions because of their personality. Certainly, their sexuality may play a part in how they specifically choose, but it's about their decisions in going forward with the plot. So it may have internal importance, but I don't think ultimately it's externally important because you don't often see inside the heads of the people as they act. You just see their actions. Yeah, but in video games, I have seen so many romantic storylines. I don't think that there is uh, – there, except for like maybe first-person shooters, um, every game that I've played has had some sort of – Romantic interest. Um, so primarily, the, the the main character is a male, and they go after a female NPC. Um, Guild in Guild Wars, Derek, you have two major characters that are lesbians and involved uh, with each other. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go. Oh, yeah. Guild Wars is an excellent example of that. Like, um, I 
played for a long time and I really want to get into it, my computer's just not good enough to run it because it's a brick. Um, but yeah, not only are there just like it's not an isolated example of lesbian characters. Like there's all sorts of really like pretty good representation of queer identity within Guild Wars. Like there's people who don't even identify on the binary spectrum who like are the NPCs that you run in, and they're not like shunted off to the side as in like periphery characters. Like they're you're part of your character's living story and you're just like, hey, there are queer people and they're presented as something that's not like um like uh, an exception to the norm. Right, but that's a as NPCs, um is it also player characters? I you know, I would have to ask Helen about that because I haven't gotten too far into that game. Um, in the sense of like all our um MO MMORGs, it depends upon how much you interact, say, in group chat with other characters um, for a representation of sexuality, but it does not come up that much within gameplay. Okay. You do have an ongoing um, story for your character where the outcome is determined by your responses to certain events and your interactions with the NPCs, but it's it's kind of like Alex is saying. It's not treated. It's not anybody's business but your own characters. It's not made part of the storyline. Okay. Um, but the NPCs, though, it was because the one the one woman thought her partner was dead, and they had whole lines of dialogue when she discovered her partner was still alive. And I think I should also point out that it's a caveat. I don't think that is important now. I think it was important before we had games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, which had very good representation of choice between gay, straight, or in between. Right, but then uh, in the majority of the AAA titles like um, Uncharted and um, those t- and Assassin's Creed, um, I mean, I'd like to see. Um, one of those types of games, like have a male gay protagonist or a female lesbian protagonist that you would play as a main mm-hmm. character. Right. And I, I can definitely see that. My only point was, is I, I look at it now more like Agent Coulson from Avengers. He could have been gay or been straight. It didn't matter. They described his partner as uh, a cellist and that's right. it. And it leaves it to your imagination what somebody's, you know, sexuality to me is their business and it, it will influence their decisions, obviously. But to me, I don't care one way or the other. And the majority of people I play with will play both sides, including me. So mm-hmm. I don't think it is as important now as it used to be. Uh, let's talk to the fence sitter. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, I sit on the fence because... Um, like it's it, the vantage point from there. Yeah, I do. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, great sniper's nest. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I make a really great target for the people who are trying to hide out. Um, but I sit on the fence because it, you know, I think like Helen said, it depends on the kind of game. Um, if like if you're playing a dungeon crawl, okay. whether you're gay, straight, or whatever just doesn't matter. Like, to me, it just if you're going out and just killing monsters, dragging their possessions back, I, I don't think it really um, 
influences the game one way or the other. But when you have like a story game, you know, when you have more RP involved, um, you you have more opportunity for better stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with video games, I think Bioware has done a fantastic job through you know even going back to like um, uh, Baldur's Gate two, where you had you know you could have straight male and female characters and gay male and female characters. And it didn't impact the story too much, but it was uh, kind of an interesting little side, kind of a, a side quest. Mm-hmm. And um, and it got even better with like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. I mean, Dragon Age just is like the example of of what video game RPGs should be, in my opinion. So, huh. another good one was Jade Empire. Uh Never played that one. A random anecdote having to do with Dragon Age. I completely accidentally made my character a gay male. How do you accidentally do that? I just couldn't, didn't know what I was doing, and the choices that I made led him to have sex with one of the other male characters. I'm like, he, he was flirting right, with Zevran is what he was doing. <laughs> uh, that can also happen in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Awesome. That's true. Because there are different scenarios based on your character choices and responses to questions where the next program response is automatically a flirt. And if you're playing a female character, you're kind of – it flirts for you with um, other female characters or male. Wow. I think, I think that's really great because something that Derek brought up is that all these AAA titles um, – have these stories in it, and regardless of the the importance that they play in the narrative of the of the video game, they're all there and they're all forced onto the character, and they're all these heterosexual romances. But if you look at games like these Bioware games, like where and you just accidentally have a queer interaction, like that puts onto the straight community the things that the queer community has had forced onto them with all these queer these AAA titles, where it's like, it's right. all right, well, I'm a bisexual man, game, isn't it? Well, what was that? Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is a yeah. Bioware yeah. game, yep. isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, like, for me, as a bisexual man, like, I'm really, 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 really tired of the default, like, forced option in video games being only, you know, like, muscly, scruffy white dude falls in love with thin, wafy white woman with giant breasts. With yeah. giant, yes. Um, and so, as, like, a, as a gay man, oh my god, it's like, I'm so over it. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like, no, like I care about so tired of it. <laughs> and so, like having these games, that's why I think it's incredibly important to have these games where you can have like this this choice to identify strongly with your character, because that's something that I'm sure we'll get to later on um, has been really restricted, especially in the newer generation of AAA games, um, to this sort of like frat bro style of sexuality. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, um, so we've talked about Bioware a lot. I thought you were going to turn to me after saying that. I'm like, hey! <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've talked about Bioware a lot, um, and I'm looking forward to a time when it's not, oh, look at Bioware, the one company that is doing this thing. Right. Um, <laughs> and go ahead. Um, I mean, I, I haven't had personal experience with whatever the, the company that makes it because I have a crappy computer and an Xbox, but um, apparently Last of Us is really, really great. 
for having that visibility, and their company has like gone on record, I guess, for saying like good things about that. So, I mean, that's something that I'm looking forward to. Um, and I know that Guild Wars has some options. There's some other like smaller MMOs um, out on the market. Like, I wanted to ask Helen um, if she'd played something by I think the company is like Robert's Space Industries or something. But there's uh, apparently an MMO that's on the market that has um, like a slider setting for your character's gender or sexuality. So you can't just be male or female. You can like situate yourself somewhere in the middle, or you can't you can just be, be trans or straight. But like situate yourself somewhere in that spectrum. And so you I mean, can be like, trans. Well, what that's was that? Awesome. You can yeah, be tra- exactly. That's and so, awesome. Like, for it, like the majority of characters, like it's okay, cool. You're gonna switch it from one side to the other, but like for the ma- minority of characters who who identify outside of that binary, that is something that's hugely important because that's like the first time that they're being represented. Yeah, that would and, be. I mean, I don't even know exactly what it's called, and I I can't even take credit for bringing this up in this sort of discourse because I got the idea from listening to Justice Points podcast. And they were talking about it, like. I don't huh. know what it is, but I want to play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so how? I mean, Bioware did it. Um, how do you introduce LGBT? Uh, LGBT and I hate my community for having like the alphabet soup. Um, <laughs> You could just do what my son does, and instead of using regular acronyms, the actual acronyms, he just goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Well, that works for me, too. Um, <laughs> I've had way too much caffeine to basically list out my community's letters. Um, so uh, how, do, um, how do you introduce queer video game characters to... I mean, the target demographic, uh, from what I understand, is young, straight males. Um, do you believe, actually, do, first, do you believe that that's still true? Well, Derek, that's what I love about Guild Wars. The the characters, Marjorie Delacroix and Casimir, and her partner Casimir, they're not introduced. They're just part of the game. Ah. They're no different than anybody else. And nothing's, nothing, there's no big or special event made about them other than the fact that they're major NPCs within that world. Okay. No, I'm good. Um, no, actually, I think that's really important. Is you don't you don't make a big deal out of it. You don't even make a deal out of it. It's just it, it's an option you have in the game. Obviously, you want to mention that this is an additional option when you're making your character, but that's it. It's you you can if you want to be straight, you can be straight. If you want to be gay, you can be gay. If you, you want to be completely asexual, yeah. If you want to be completely asexual, you can do that too. Huh. I. I come down on this, and that's part of the reason why I said it, it does not matter, because as far as a video game is concerned, as far as I'm concerned, I don't give a shit if you're gay or lesbian or whatever, you know, if your character is gay or lesbian or whatever, as long as it's, it's still a good game. It does, well, it wouldn't matter to me either way, but I mean, as, as long as it's a good game and it's presented, tells a good story or whatever, you know, the, the, the incidental fact that, you oh, your main character is gay. All right, is it telling a good story? We're good. Not a big deal. And um, also to make sure that they're not just one big stereotype of anything, be it straight, gay, trans, whatever. They have to be a deep character, not an extremely shallow one. Oh, well, yeah. one, of the, one of the examples that I, I've run across uh, more recently, as far as this is concerned, is the character of uh, Jonathan Harkness from Doctor Who. He was, mm-hmm. he was kind uh, of a... Jack Harkness. Yeah, Jack Harkness, thank you. 
It's been a while since I've seen it. Yes, um, I am the Doctor Who person in the crowd, so... There you go. <laughs> uh, he was very much, a, a, you know, I mean, he was introduced as kind of pansexual. He would pretty much fuck anything that moved. You're welcome, Josh. Um... <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I was just hoping that I wasn't going to be the first person. There we go. And just because I love Josh so very much. Anyway. And uh, that Mario moment was brought to you by Adam. <laughs> anyway, um, so the point is, is that, you know, that, that that character, he was such a deep and interesting character beyond the fact that he was willing to have sex with just about anything that it kind of overshadowed anything else, any other, you know, kind of stigmas or stereotypes that would have happened uh, as a result of it. So, you know, because of this, you know, I am a, I am a straight male, I, I, you know, and I, I grew up with a fairly open-minded minded household, but it wasn't really until I started dating my wife, my, the person who's now my wife, and she informed me that she was bisexual, that I really kind of got into the ABCDEFG community. And, you know... I do consider myself at this point a very ardent advocate for, for you know, queer rights. And, you know, I, I'm very vocal in the community around here. I mean, we do the Pride Fest every year. And uh, I just love it. It's fantastic people, fantastic community. And um, so when I say that, you know, it does, sexuality in, in games and video games doesn't matter, that's kind of what I'm referring to. I mean, as long as it's not a giant, flagrant, painful stereotype, um it's really just incidental to the to the greater story that's being told. Yeah, and one of the um, first times that I've actually encountered a gay character, and it was the flagrant stereotype, was in King's Quest V. Um, <laughs> there was the tailor in the uh, city, uh, or can't be called city, town, really. Um, and he was everything. He was, like, super swishy and... Um, so that was the first introduction that I had um, to how people really thought about gay characters. Um, and then fortunately we got further along and, and we got better, uh, better representation of, of these characters with much, much deeper storylines. But I mean, I'll always remember that first outing where I was like, I went into the town, into the tailor shop and it was like, hello and how are you doing? Um, and it just was... Everything is super! Super! <laughs> it just grated <laughs> on me like a blackboard. Um, but, uh, I think it's a, it's important that we don't just say, okay, we've got Bioware done, no more gay characters need to be made. Um, I think that it's important that if it makes sense in the storyline or that it could make sense in the storyline, that it the option gets presented. I totally believe that it should never be it should never be used as a political statement, you know, because that would just seem forced to me in terms of the storyline. Like we made this, you know, so you know another company other than Bioware comes out with a video game and they basically one of their selling points is the character you have a character option of being gay. Like I, I really don't think that 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 would fly. I don't think that that would. Be, I just it would seem yeah. forced. It would seem almost as, uh, I guess, bigoted as, you know, deliberately leaving out the gay option. In well, my opinion. counterpoint. But sorry, Jonathan. In advance, I would buy the f- out of that game. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about Josh. If it's advertised on the box, 
Your character does not have to be the stereotypical straight action hero. I, I would I buy that game twice. <laughs> I like I am I we Derek and I have talked about it, but like I am so so tired of if you want to play this video game, you got to be straight. And um, I was talking to Derek about it when he was rounding this thing up, but like one of the huge defining things for me in terms of realizing my own sexuality was the Mass Effect series because like. In Minnesota, I mean, like, we have the Twin Cities, and that is a really, really great hub for the queer community. But anywhere else, don't bother. <laughs> well, yeah, in like, Minnesota. in Minnesota. In Minnesota. In Minnesota. <laughs> but, so, where... And don't you dare come out in Duluth, because I swear to God, they will lynch you and throw you into the... Which, yeah, we don't need to bring up the Duluth lynchings, but, um... <laughs> oh, that's a real we, thing? <laughs> uh, not for queer characters, but Duluth is the... Is a has a pretty recent lynching of a black man. Duluth is the site of the last public hanging in Minnesota, uh, which happened in the 20th century, the early part of the 20th century, of uh, uh, I think three or four black men. Wow. It was yeah, it's it's really. Um, so we 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 might need to stay away from that sort of humor. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. Uh, where was I? Yeah, okay, so Minnesota. Growing up and, like, sort of coming to my own as every person does when they reach that age that every person comes into their own. Um, my idea of sexuality was highly based on the sexual education in my school, and we were taught that... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were taught that that homosexuality was a thing... But we were never co- like we didn't cover the spectrum part of it. We didn't cover like alternate identities. And so when I would feel attraction towards people who presented as male or people who did not present within the binary system, um, I would have to fall back on my internalized idea of okay, well I still find female uh, presentation attractive. And so does that make me somehow flawed or like between the system or lost in the gap? And it wasn't until I started playing Mass Effect when I was starting to think, like, okay, well, here's this character who is this really deep character because Commander Shepard is one of the greatest video game characters of this, like, entire era of entertainment. And not only do you have the option of um, being a male character who has relationships with men or a female character who has relationships with women, but you can change that throughout the process of the game. Um, and that was something that is really, really important to me and like a light switch moment of like, oh, holy sh**. Sorry, Jonathan. Um, Josh. Josh. Sorry, Josh. I can do this too. Um, <laughs> and so, like, because Man, that's such a going to work out. My self-identification, that's, I mean, I have, I think I can stop talking because I'm rambling, but yeah. So basically you discovered, you figured out that you were bisexual because of a video game? Not only, but it was a it was, it was a like highly, a catalyst like, point for you, right? And that's what I'm saying is like visibility in popular culture gives is way more important than like anyone gives it credit for. Yeah, respect. Well, and and I think that um, in fact, Mass Effect was one of the first, if not the first, game where the main character had his own voice. Like in every other game that I that I can think of, the main character you you had dialogue options. But he never actually said anything for Bioware, because I'm sure that there's a lot of other games. Final Fantasy X was the first one. Okay, maybe Final Fantasy X, but um, Bioware or the Mass Effect for me, that was like the game where like 
the main character, the character you made actually had a voice and he actually said things as opposed to just dialogue options you picked. And that's yeah. really great because it, it provides authorship and like um, an agency for the, the player's actions through the avatar in the game. Yeah. So like you hear your shit. Sorry. Point of order, Jennifer Hale is the better voice femship on Absolutely, yeah. Mark Muir in the first game acts like a piece of cardboard. In the second and third, he gets a little bit better. But. Uh, so I'm going to switch a little bit to RPGs. Um, do you guys find that your games, do they ever touch on romance at all, or are they basically um, no relationships and you're out, Killing uh, cobalt and and so forth. Anyone else go first? Because mine's a long list. I have to go through bullet points. I think it's for um, organized gameplay, like the Living campaigns, like Living Greyhawk, uh, Pathfinder Society. Because it is a set mod that everyone is playing. I think there's less opportunities for that, but. The players can always make them. As we were talking before, back in the Living Greyhawk days, Derek, when you played Favaz and I played Rosie, it wasn't a romance, but there was a relationship there. Yeah. Um, in home campaigns, again, going to a game we played together, um, Mike Allen's home campaign, there wasn't romance, but there was definitely intercharacter relationships, but that was an open campaign that someone made up. Yeah, and... Uh I mean, I'll get to you in a, just a second, Alex. Um, in a Hero's Love Song, um, that the main point was the relationship and romance uh, of the NPCs, um, and that was the impetus behind the storyline. Um, Alex, you, you had, uh, I guess, everybody sit back. We've got a bullet list coming our way. Okay, so it depends entirely on how much individual interaction between people you get. If you're sitting around a table, you will have less of a chance, so it makes less of an impact unless, you know, people don't mind talking over each other. But I found that any type of role-playing, whenever you have more capability of in-person interaction with another character, it'll happen more often and be more of a de determining factor in what you do. Like, for example, any time I went to a con LARP, it wasn't really a big deal because while you could get together, it was going to be over in another six hours. But when I went to all weekend boffer LARPs, it was a huge determining factor for individual people because you would be with these people for 48 hours. Also, anytime you're playing online, uh, just like a Google Hangout type thing, probably not going to be a big thing. But whenever I was doing the official exalted chat environment for three years, it was a huge determining factor and made at least four or five different characters I have really delve into that part of their personality without other people really intruding on it. So it gave me more time to explore. How about you, Adam? Have you encountered any relationships, platonic or otherwise, in your campaigns? Yes. Um, Apparently a lot from the merriment. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify my answer first. And remember that this is a PG-rated show. No, I know, I know, I know, and and I, I promise not to swear. I'm gonna preface your story by asking <laughs> if you have any more booze because I feel like I'm gonna need <laughs> the uh, long the long. <laughs> 
the long and the short of it is, is that I started most of my role playing. My initial role playing experience was almost exclusively uh, just out of high school, college age guys. And so, initially, all we did was dungeon crawl. Like we'd go around, and so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to explore uh, different relationships and different characters. You know, having those relationships. But as I got older and I got into college or whatever, my group diversified quite a bit. We got older, you know, older role players. People have been role playing for longer than I had. We got female role players. We got different, you know, alternative uh, orientation role players, and things got a lot more in game. Got a lot more complicated. There was a lot of relationship stuff that happened, and I just I loved it. I kind of rolled with it and just kind of whatever happened happened, and it was fantastic because. All it was doing was just adding a depth and richness to the story that I was already trying to tell. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm generally the GM. I very rarely play these days. I'm almost, I think, 90% of the games that I'm involved in right now, I am the GM. And there's like six, so that kind of gives you an idea. And that's, you know, the depthness, and it's not even just, you know, like romantic relationships or... Um, there's platonic relationships to develop. Like there's a game that I'm, uh, I started running with with uh, Tony, where his character and my NPC character were basically blood brothers. They weren't you know they weren't they weren't actual brothers, but they grew up and they went through the same kind of training. They went through all this stuff, and they were very close, you know, in that kind of relationship. And it just that's what I deal with almost on a weekly basis is is the level of relationship. So a lot of my experience and part of the reason why I did answer the way I did for the versus topic is because it has never mattered to me what orientation or sexuality or, 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 or anything that anybody was as long as it wasn't detrimental to the story. And I, you know, I could say that with, with impunity because even if it was a, you know, a, a quote unquote straight relationship where it was male and a female, if they were detrimental to the plot or de- detrimental to role-playing, I would yell at them just as much as I'd yell at anybody else. Well, I have to say thank you for saying that, if I can interject. Go for it. Um, yeah. One of my very, very first gaming experiences, I think I was 15 years old, I was playing with a bunch of guys who were a few, a few years older, and one of them raped my character in-game. Wow. Ooh. Was it was it like um, for real? Well, no, I was gonna say like 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 the 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 rape was it like did it was it to advance a story idea or was it just hey I'm bored let's gangbang her? I think it was I'm bored let's gangbang the female character. Oh my god, that's awful. That's after horrible. he complete after he. He um, cast mirror image on himself, so there was more of him present at the time. Oh, my God. I was 15. The the guy I was dating at the time, he was friends with them, and they were a few years older than him. And I knew this guy socially. And my reactions to him person to person were never the same. Yeah, but they weren't. They they wouldn't be. I mean, that's... Wow. (sighs) Or to the GM who allowed it. Yeah, and that's the thing, Helen. Yeah. Just, just from me to you, I don't care how old you would have, you were. I don't care, you, you know, the general you, not you specifically. But if it yeah. been, had been you, it never would have happened in one of my games. Even if one of my players is like, yeah. "I'm going to pin her down and I'm going to do stuff to her," I'd be like, "Yeah, no, get out of my game, douche." Yeah, there, there is one. I'm never ever seeing me ever again. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time when 
and it was just actually in this recent campaign where it was a a magical magical rape that was initiated by one of the characters. It was to it was to further a plot point. And before I got to that session, I talked to the female character or female player, boy, female player. Um, and I said, look, this is what I want to do. This is the reason why I want to do it. Um, are you okay with this? Because if you're not, then it's not happening. But um, if it does, then there is a, a dynamic that is built up between these two groups that have not met before. And I guess I have to explain that I'm running a campaign with four separate groups through the same campaign in the same world, parallel timelines. So um, each of the groups have not met each other, but there was an instance where they had a, a miraculous birth, and unfortunately, one of the groups, the, the birth went to the male character due to a die roll. Yeah. And so I had to figure out, okay, how do I do this so it's not, like, super awkward? And so then it went, like, super, super awkward. It's not an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Well, yes, yes, it is. If I could, if I could pop in, if yeah. that happens in the future, just remember that trans men are sometimes able to give birth, and like the fact that you are equating um, male to having male genitals or male sexual organs um, doesn't need to be a cemented difficulty. Especially in a magic world, I get that. Um, <laughs> like yeah. dragons and like magic babies. Even Order of the Stick had the belt of gender change. Yeah, that was oh, a I second. Got, like rods of gender yeah. change in my games. I mean, so um, yeah. It, so it, and it was a coworker of mine who I haven't been really gaming with, so it was it was just getting a little bit awkward. Um, so, anyways, it it occurred. It happened. And a good dynamic came out of it because now this female character uh, who gave birth and then the baby disappeared and went to the husband, or not to the husband, but to the father, now she has an impetus to go and find her baby with the other group. Um, okay. So it's it turned out well, but whatever crazy shenanigans happened with you, Helen, first of all, I have to say I applaud you to coming back to RPGs after that because that's... That's I think weird. I would have been done at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to apologize on behalf of my gender. Some guys are just jerks, and yeah. this guy was just a jerk. And I mean, it, they made the, the effects of that stick. My character wound up pregnant with children. Twins. Wow. God. Good Lord. So, that's just, now, okay. to, be, to be fair, I have dealt, this is getting a little bit off topic, I have dealt with rape in games. But it's always been for the betterment of the story. Yeah. I've never been graphic about it at all. I've always glossed yeah. over stuff happens, we move on. And but yeah, I, it's just that, that that happened to you, Helen, or happened to because I, I know it's happened to other people too. Yeah. That has happened to anybody is a terrible, terrible thing, and anybody that actually allows that to happen in their games needs to be hit with sticks. Yes, agreed. Um, or soap with soap in a sock. That, that, one, that one. That one works good. Pull up, pull up, Bing Crosby. I'd rather a, a, a pool ball in a, in a, you know, a ball <laughs> in a stick. In a stick. <laughs> um, I've also, I mean, I've also had like relationships in my 
campaign, like one of my groups, they all have very different personalities, but one group literally has taken their interactions from the CW. So it's like this <laughs> supernatural <laughs> nightmare. Derek, um, I am yeah, so sorry. <laughs> as long as the vampires don't sparkle. They don't yeah. sparkle. Oh, no, no. That, that is a no, rule no. in my campaign. It Alan, doesn't matter do what word it is. Do not refer to those as vampires. They're fey. Yes. I have an anecdote with regard That's to that. That's actually what I'll I thought, too. <laughs> We're going into sparkly vampires. <laughs> there is Just talk about the glam rock vampire I played in the World of Darkness campaign. And we'll see how badass a sparkly vampire can be. Well, now that sounds like a sparkly vampire I could get into. So yeah, literally. Oh. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll bring that up yeah. later. <laughs> um, I uh, just kind of wanted to jump in really quick. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> See, he's my GM, so I just kind of automatically have to listen. <laughs> but uh, when I started role-playing, it, it was uh, like 10 or 12, somewhere around there, and it was, you know, like a lot of kids, when they started playing D&D, it was just kind of dungeon crawl stuff. Um, my first real, uh, as I call it, a real D&D game, um, <clears throat> my younger brother and a buddy of mine and I, we were, I had gotten the... Tales of the Lands box set um, for my birthday, and we started playing Dragonlance, and we it that particular game setting allowed a I think a, a much more rich environment for telling actual stories and for having relationships and games and seeking out relationships. Um, Speaking contextually for the time, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's gotten so much better, generally speaking. Generally speaking, um, there's actually social sections and role playing. Yeah. <laughs> now they actually have social skills, social mechanics. So, um, but I and I think that for me, like if I if I I don't think if I had come across if I if I did not get that Dragonlance box set for my birthday, I don't think I would be gaming today. Huh. Because it was just like it, to me, it was like, oh my god, you can actually tell a story! Holy crap! <laughs> so, um, so have you guys uh, ever played any queer characters? Um, starting with Alex. Uh, yes, uh, several. Uh, my most famous one amongst my friends was uh, an exalted character on the official exalted chat. Her name was Cherry Blossom, and I was in a two-and-a-half-year polyamorous lesbian uh, relationship. And because I'd never revealed my my actual identity until year two, uh, everyone literally thought I was a woman. Huh. I've also played gay male characters. I've played bisexual characters because I myself am only straight-ish. Uh, and each time it's not really intruded on other people's role play because... That's the kind of stuff that I myself, whether it's straight, gay, or whatever, only keep towards the people who are actually involved with that part of my life. It's how I live my life normally, so it's not that far. And that's why I said it doesn't really matter to me, the sexuality, because that kind of stuff only happens behind closed doors anyway. I imagine it more often than actually gets played. 
I think you bring up a really great thing where you say you imagine it happens more often than we think. And the fact that it happens more often than we think is because there is so little visibility in it in our media. And having that visibility would increase the like the perception of the predominance of queer identities. Um, and there's not an inconsequential reason why it's called the invisible culture. Like queer peoples are consistently silenced and erased in popular culture. And having an idea of something like, oh, it's not important to show this perpetuates that erasure and that invisibility. And so I think that's why I personally feel so strongly for representation and visibility. And I think why I feel so vehemently against any sort of idea that it doesn't matter because it does very, very strongly matter. And I, I, I think, go ahead. My, my point was is that it matters internally more than it matters externally because nowadays you see it far more often than you see it out in in the world. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen behind closed doors. What I'm saying is that being into the local LBG, whatever, ABC community. It, there we go. And no, actually, if people are having trouble with the terminology, you can use GSRM, Gender Sexual Romantic Minority, if you don't want to list off the thing. Um, I, I am a little bit <laughs> skeezed by um, the fact that the, the idea of having inclusive nomenclature is something that could be dismissed by a joke. Okay. Well, and I, I think more of what Alex was talking about, at least this is what I got from it, is like when he said, when he was saying it doesn't matter is, what he was saying is that like on a character sheet, like having a spot for straight, gay, you know, anything in between, that it doesn't need to be there. At, at least that's what I got as, you know, externally and internally. Yeah. I mean, as, as, long as, as long as you are internally consistent yeah, with yeah, your character. Yeah. For, that, pen and paper, it's fine. For pen and paper, it's fine because your audience, in unless you're, like, broadcasting your games to the entire world and you have this huge following, um, the audience of most pen and paper RPGs is maybe, like, 6 to 12. Um, the audience for video games is literally millions. And when you have that platform to broadcast the fact that it's acceptable to have a queer character, um, I think that's where it's really important. Well, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. But I think that goes beyond more than just video games. That goes to pretty much all of pop culture. Right, exactly. We, and we I mean, all agree that Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres coming out on Ellen was kind of a watershed moment where people started saying, wait a minute, this is okay. And as someone who lived through the 70s and the 80s, I much, I think I can see where we've come. I'm not saying we don't have miles to go. We yeah. have light years to go. There is but a fair just, amount. I'm sorry? I said there is a fair amount of distance yes. that we need to travel. But in the last, even in the last 10 years, We've come a tremendous way, and I think it's because of representations in popular culture. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. And, like, video games is a huge, especially now, a huge part of popular culture and where it's going. And, like, there's no small reason um, that video games is the most profitable market of entertainment right now. Like, even surpassing movies. Like, when you look at how things are, like, profiting, like, 
if you look at the numbers that just Blizzard is making alone, um, and if you think, like, if they would, like, just pull, if Chris Messon would pull his fat bro head out of his ass for, like, three seconds and be like, it's okay to have a woman in Draenor, to use, like, a modern thing where he made his, like, sorry uh, for the censoring there, um, boys club trip, like, if he said, okay, representation is important, here's some representation, like, the platform that that has would just be phenomenal in in making those strides. Someday, somebody is going to think that using sexuality as a mechanic is a good idea, though. And I'm afraid of that day coming. Like, actually, yeah. you have a plus two gay bonus for this sword attack. Well, uh, it's already, you have to get to a quality. It's already there. <laughs> it is? For that. Do you not play Skyrim? Yeah. No, I don't play Skyrim. I did. Okay, yeah. it's in Skyrim. Okay. If you uh, if you what? actually do the yeah, if you do the uh, the Debella quest, you get a plus ten damage percent damage bonus against the opposite gender. What? They had that in Fallout. That was a perk in the at least Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas. You could take a perk where it, there was Lady Killer, and I don't remember what the female version was. But you got a damage bonus was to the, the opposite sex. What was that? Femme fatale. Yes, femme, yeah. Um, but yeah, they it, you had a bonus to, to attacking members of the opposite sex, but and extra it. dialogue options to seduce them. Yeah. Wow, Helen, you said that you encountered that too. Um, I was going to point out the the book of erotic fantasy. There's a there's a mecha- there's got to be mechanics in there. Tons of them. Yeah, um, I don't think that was taken as seriously, like, or by the the mainstream gaming community. I think it was just kind of like a, you know, the the uh, the dirty mags that you you hide you were hiding <laughs> under your bed. You know, it was just one more dirty mag you were hiding under your bed. Um, it definitely was that. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know where that ring of protection actually gets worn. Yeah. <laughs> There isn't right a slot for that on the character sheet. There doesn't need to be. Excuse there me, but I really want to know whether or not I can get one. Are we can now I have to discuss the future of this. I'm gone. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Derek. Did I just give you something that's going to have to be edited out? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, we're still good. Um, if that's Josh the title of the podcast. Has not yeah. already, like, killed me by now. <laughs> but um, um, I I would just like to interject though, um, talking about something that I think, um, and this isn't like a serious. I'm not gonna like gonna go into something that's gonna bring people down again because I feel like I've been on a kick about that. But um, I just want to thank you, like personally, Derek, um, for something that I'm gonna use as an example for like the the queerness in RPGs. Um, because, uh, like, I think it was a year ago or, like, a year and a half or something, um, you traveled up to Minnesota for the Kicked in the Dice Bags microcosm, and you ran a game with your Universal Storytelling campaign. Yes. Um, which is amazingly beautiful, and I hope you're still working on it, because it's I would love to play that, and I would play, like, nothing else besides that setting. It's coming up. <laughs> Thank you. It's awesome. Going be, awesome. It's going to be released in June if you're the con. Okay, cool. Do you want me to buy a copy? I would like you to buy me a copy. And if Derek, you could sign it. Because um, 
that game was another thing that really like let me get into and accept more of myself as a queer person mm-hmm. because the character that I played was this sort of like WWE caricature, like <laughs> really campy. He's and breaking up. I, you lost your friend there. Are you, I, talking, and, you were the one that did Starfighter? I, I was Starburst. He was Starburst. Starburst, that's right. Yeah. Starburst? Um, Starburst. But anyway. The <laughs> Lord, <laughs> um, Just like, we were all there for that, just for the record. Becoming, like, really in touch with that sort of, like, campy aesthetic was really cool for me. Um, and I, I hope that I was campy without being derogatory. You were. There's a really you like were, you were good. You were good campy, not bad campy. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, there's there's like a really powerful aspect of camp that is like really good. Yeah, um, and, and, and there's camp. a line with that with that being campy and being derogatory, and um, I, I don't. I, in fact, I think you stayed pretty far away from that line. Yeah. Um, being derogatory. That's good. Okay. So, um, but I mean, I just I want to thank you because that was also like a really good moment for me. So. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I use queer a lot is way back in college, um, I heard about our my teacher was telling us about this uh, group that would queer different things in the 60s. Um, and one of the things they did was they went into a toy shop and switched out the vo- voice boxes for G.I. Joes and Barbies. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we killed them. And so, like, G.I. Joe was like, I'm pretty. And <laughs> Barbie's like, you know, crawl in the dirt. Oh, man. I wish I, I, wish I remembered what, what the group was. But, yeah, they did shenanigans like that all the time. And, um, and so it, it was all about querying what people think about gender roles and, and gender stereotypes. I mean, Metroid did that. Um, way back oh yeah! Great reveal. I thought, yeah, yeah I, I thought, what was it, Sammy's? I forgot the game. Samus. 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 Yeah. I thought it was a guy. Yep. Well, and that was the point. I think the whole point of it was you were supposed to think it's a guy, and and the, the reveal at the end is, does it really matter? Yeah. That's kind of what I got from it. I remember though, I when that game came out. When that came, game came out, I was still pretty young. I was still in grade school when that game came out. And played through it, and then there was a reveal. And of course, at that point, girls still had cooties. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, hell, I just played a girl! Oh, God! <laughs> yes, confronting straight men with, with queer aspects. Okay. I just remember thinking, oh my God. I thought it was cool. I was like, oh my God, yeah. it's a chick! That is so cool! Um, yeah, that's, that's that fantastic. I, I was, found kind of interesting, and I think it was actually Anne Rice who said this in the kind of, like, making of for Interview with the Vampire, the movie. Um, She was talking about how the vampires aren't really... They're not sexual one way or the other. They've been around... Like, a lot of the vampires in the story have been around for so long. There isn't a, you know, just hetero or just homosexual. They're just sexual. Yeah. Well, and like Tom Cruise did a really great job of portraying that just being sexual, and to bring that into gaming, like that's how I've always envisioned elves. Yeah, like well, elves, like they're around for so, like they're around for hundreds of years, 
you know, why would they limit themselves to just one job? I'm so that's, glad that you bring that up. Sorry. Go ahead, Helen. That's the point that um, I'm forgetting the gentleman who's sitting to, to the to the far right of my screen um, with Captain Jack Harkness from Doctor Who. Adam. Adam. Doctor Who, Doctor Who makes the point. He's yep. from the yep. year 5500 or something. They're omnisexual. <laughs> They've moved beyond representations of, of sexual preference being one or the other. Which and I think... I think that's the next thing is that it's it's no longer going to be gay or straight. It's going to be bisexual, and I think that's the next frontier because we've been in a very binary mode right now. Where except for that one uh, MMORPG, I think that space one where you can like do well, whatever. Well, there's a few um, like all except for every Saints Row game except for the most recent one has a gender slider. Oh, and okay. Go back for a while. Which, thank you, Justice Points, again, because I did not know that until I listened to their podcast. So. <laughs> they just got two years. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, this is the we, like, we are the plug podcast, so. <laughs> so, if we could just get the infomercial music playing. <laughs> we are actually at the point in the, in the uh, episode where we do all the plugs and the um, yeah. nonsense. Please go listen to Justice Points, especially if you play World of Warcraft. It is um it is very very good. They do really great job of exploring a lot of issues. Um, it's primarily a feminism and social justice podcast. Um, but they also explore the intersections of everything. So they have like a race issue, uh, a gender episode, um, a sexuality episode, um, all sorts of really great stuff. Listen to Justice Points. That's the plug. Um, anybody have anything else before we wrap this up? I had an experience recently. Um, it really kind of opened my eyes a little bit. You know, as a straight as a straight male, I never had to go through the whole process of coming out. Mm-hmm. I never had to tell friends and family, "Hey, I have this." You know, this is a, a piece of me that you know I've kept to myself for a while. Um, you know, because you're my family, I want you to know because I don't. You know, I can't stand lying to you anymore and keeping this from you. I never had to go through that, um, and then recently, uh, a couple of years ago, I did, and I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna get into everything revolving that, but I'm in a polyamorous relationship right now, and I told my parents about it, and they flipped their fucking. And Josh, you can have fun with that. <laughs> but and it was it was it was hilarious because all the stuff like my parents have always been these very open-minded, you know, caring individuals. They you know they're they're they. I've supported gay rights. They taught me to support gay rights and to be accepting of all races, creeds, orientations, what have you. But they were giving me the same shtick that you hear stereotypical parents when their when their kids come out to them, telling them is they you know um, the whole thing of you know I I, I can't handle this you know um, can you change this? Did, have just, you tried not? Have being you tried not? Well, no, because I can't for you. Yeah. Goes, you know, they teach you not to do this. Oh, and it's yeah. just, and you so see, um, you're running into the not in my backyard um, aspect of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good way to put it. As yeah. as a result of that, I went and I played. It was a one shot game, and it was a very it was a World of Darkness. It was very socially it was a very social intense game. There's me and like two other players. What World and of Darkness? I that I was gonna, what's that? World of Darkness and socially um, and 
deep. That's <laughs> don't go together. Good job with your words there. I can't speak, all right? <laughs> and I haven't even been drinking. Maybe I should start drinking, and I can like actually make words that sound right. <laughs> We're over here having spicy water, and you're like sitting back. <laughs> but I, I wound up playing a character, um, and it was just a one-shot. It was a buddy of mine playing, and the majority... The majority of my main group is has a lot of the alternative um, uh, orientations, mm-hmm. but there's a couple of friends that I have that don't that are pretty straight and like they they support gay rights and all that stuff, but they're really more kind of apathetic to it. Right, it doesn't involve them in their lives, not part of their lives. So I decided I was going to kind of just as a, more of a social experiment than anything else. I was going to play a teenage boy who just realized that he was gay, and part of the social experiment. I didn't tell the GM that I was doing this either. Oh, part man. of the social experiment was that he was going to come out to his parents um, while he was also going to inform them that he had just, in fact, became a werewolf. So he had the double-edged sword of saying, well, I am both gay and a werewolf. Wow. And I don't think the GM quite knew what to do with that. Were the two pl- were the two straight players playing your parents? Uh, when the GM was playing. My oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the straight people. Go. Adam was one of the was the GM one of the uh, straight people? Yes. Ah. Yes, and one of the people that like, I mean, he's a performer. He you know he's he works with with all manner of different colors, races, creeds, orientations, all that stuff. So he's he's pretty open. The GM was pretty open minded, but the other player, while you know on paper very liberal and open-minded, had never really had a lot of exposure to that sort of thing. I mean, kind of going back to what Taylor was talking about, how exposure is really kind of helping the community progress as a community. Mm -hmm. He just never really had that exposure. He lived in a very Catholic, had a very Catholic upbringing. Um, You know, and I got, honestly, seriously, I mean, except for the Catholic Church being corrupt and and, and money-hungry and owning everything, I have no problem with the Catholic Church. I'd like to apologize on behalf of the Catholic Church for everything we've said and done. <laughs> How long is this podcast going to be? Uh, Tony, I don't that. think you actually have to do that because I'm pretty sure the Catholic Church has apologized multiple times themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The current poll pretty much opens up every every uh, dialogue with, I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but they continue to be all of the things. <laughs> we continue to be sorry and beat ourselves up. The point is, the point is, is that it was a very eye-opening experience for me to go through it both in my personal life and then try to introduce it into a role-playing game, mm-hmm. where the two other people that I was playing with, you know, they they had been exposed to the that sort of thing, but they'd never really gone through it before. And well, uh, role-playing games like tabletop, especially because you have a lot more flexibility. Um, although MMORPGs, you have some flexibility. You, you can like sort of work through some of that stuff. Um, yeah. And um, just as a point of fact, um, uh, coming out is not a one-time deal. It is a consistent annoyance that you have yeah. to have. Okay. <laughs> I, to, to, like, reinforce this idea, because thank you so much for saying it, because it wasn't until yesterday that I was like, oh, I, I'm out, because I came out a few months ago, um, a few, like, six or seven um, to my parents, and I thought that that was going to be it. But I'm just having to continue coming out. And yesterday, I gave a presentation at the English undergrad conference at the University of Minnesota, 
And there was another panelist who wrote a furiously uninformed paper about the queer lexicon. And she was speaking as a straight woman about how she was confused by all these labels and like how that was a bad thing and how the queer community was like not listening to straight people when they think about how they want to identify. I don't know. Oh, I'm geez, still trying to wrap my head around um, and I, Yikes. at the end of it, someone asked, which I'm so glad that they were like, the, they threw, she threw her hand up before the the person, the moderator even said like, are there any questions? She was just like, mm, nope. Um, and okay. speaking as an academic, how did that presentation get accepted? Exactly. <laughs> no one did. Exactly. Um, but regardless of the fact that it was accepted, um, it happened, unfortunately. And uh, so the the woman asked, like, if you're straight, how do you even, like, approach having the authority to speak about these things? Um, and I, it was a blur. I don't remember the, the response. Um, but I remember, like, saying, if I could just interject um, – and rebut about like why this is a problem, but I had to preface I had to preface what I was about to say with like when you talk about other issues, you don't have to do this. But when a queer person says, as a queer person, I think X Y Z, that person is invariably exposing themselves to a society that perpetuates violence against queer identities, and just having to speak out against that is you, without your consent, saying, I am part of this community. And well, so, like, go ahead. I, I think part of that is also where you are. Um, well, being an academic and being in New York City, yeah, that atmosphere is a lot different. Um, okay. I worked on, I almost received, finished a PhD in psychology at the City University of New York Graduate School, when I tell you nine out of ten peop students in that program were gay, I'm not exaggerating. Right. It, but so it was a very open and welcoming atmosphere there, regardless of what your sexuality is or was mm -hmm. or will be. So I, I I apologize on the part of academics. That should have never happened to you in an academic setting. Yeah. But um, like you were apologizing for being Catholic. Um, I'm apologizing for being an I academic. I'm a Catholic yeah, academic, I so think, what do I, I know? But I think the point, the point that person never should have been been yeah. able to cast any aspersions on your experience and give that presentation. That's just unacceptable. Yeah. Well, we we here in Minnesota have to kind of counter our German and Nordic upbringing. <laughs> I, it's unfortunately not a joke. I wish it was. Oh, no, no, no. I have family in Wisconsin, so I yeah, know yeah. what you're talking about. It's very, I'm German it's also. set so. mentality that boys are with girls, yeah. and all the alternate orientations and whatever don't exist or shouldn't exist, and that's hard to fight against. They're in a closet somewhere, and you just keep that door closed. Like, yeah, but, I mean, the, the point that I was trying to make is that when when I'm saying... As a queer person, I think this. I am all like, regardless of whether or not I want to come out to the audience that I'm talking about. You just about have, clergy, yeah. Whether or not you want to, you just yeah. have. And that's yeah, that's a sort of like violation of my authorialship or authorialship. 
I've had a couple ciders. Really? <laughs> um, my my agency as a speaker on those issues is compromised because I am forced to expose a part of myself that I would not like choose to expose to an audience. That, and uh, you know how you mitigate that? Mm. You drop your pants first, and then you start talking. <laughs> I just feel like they would have asked me to leave. <laughs> Hey, they didn't ask her to leave when she was giving her paper, so... This is what I think about your paper, bitch. <laughs> well, I don't know if I would have resorted to gender slurs. Um, but, you know, one of those... I mean, we, we were talking about different uh, areas of the country. Like, when we did Living Greyhawk, and I took that very, very openly gay character to, like, Oklahoma and uh, Arkansas and to cons across the country... I found that it was a little bit surprising to me based on what I had experienced in MMORPGs was it was very accepting as a community as far as tabletop RPGs, um, people at the table. Well, Derek, look at, look at our crowd. I mean, I was actually surprised because, because before I started playing Living Greyhawk, a lot of my RPG friends for the most part were straight gay me uh, straight white men. I was not. I was kind of surprised at meeting so many gamers that were gay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just thrilled. I mean, between you and Will and Vince and and, yeah. and um, I'm blanking Todd. You know, it's. I was like, oh, this is so cool. But I think that is because we were in New York City. I don't know if that would have happened to you in Oklahoma. Well, I mean, when I was in Oklahoma for that con, I mean. And I played Favaz. I mean, it was. I wasn't getting. I was able to play it up, even, and I didn't have any issues. Um, and I mean, I was lucky in New York because, like, with the Living Gant campaign, you don't have access to all the prestige classes, and I wanted uh, Rainbow Servant. So they. I remember that. Yep. They. <laughs> they wrote a, a module. So I could get the quaddle, so I could get Rainbow Servant and have yep. Rainbow Wings. Nice. So um, instead of pushing that gay button, you really slammed down hard on. Oh, it. dude, I like headbutting the gay button. Yeah. <laughs> I also had leadership, and I had a male uh, male cohort <laughs> called Pervar. I'm, I'm just he just brought back such a flood of memories, but. <laughs> oh, need to game more often, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Anyways, we are we are pretty well there as far as time is concerned. Um. So, uh, Ed, anybody to the panel? Do you have, do you guys have anything coming up um on the horizon that you want to uh, let people know about? Shamelessly plug. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to go there, but yeah. Any shameless plugs? So, do you want to whore yourself out? Uh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Well, as I said, I'm on two podcasts. I'm on Kicked in the Dice Bags Players Edition and the Side Project Podcast. Uh, both are good podcasts, but they are catered to different audiences. Uh, the, the Players Edition Podcast is really for people that just want to hear a bunch of guys sitting around the table swearing constantly and voicing opinions about which they know very little. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> which explains how odd was on once. <laughs> and the Side Project podcast um, is more or less the same thing, except we're a little bit more informed about what we're talking about. Okay. Um, Ouch. Um, Ouch, Adam. 
Uh, and, are they uh, all gamer podcasts, or are they um, all geek sort of thing? They're all pretty, well, Kicking the Dice Bakes pretty much covers anything, but we, we focus very heavily on tabletop role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And although, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about anything, maybe because we don't have a choice. We keep tangentializing outside of what we're trying to talk about. Um, Side Project is almost exclusively role-playing games. Okay. So, and the other thing is, um, I, I, I have contributed to Sojourn, the, the Fear the Boot, uh, Sojourn 2, the Fear the Boot publication uh, of, a, of a book. So you should, y'all, when that comes out, y'all should go out and buy it. My, but my you also should buy Sojourn 1 currently. You should buy that too, but I'm not in that one. Oh, right. Well, then screw it. Um, so. <laughs> that reminds me. I need to get in touch with Wayne. I have a story I want to put in there. Um, but, yes, you definitely should get Sojourn, um, and we'll put a link on our show notes. Um, anybody else got anything? Uh, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Um, if anybody's in New York City and you want to play a game of Pathfinder Society, um, it's on Google Groups, PFS, and um, NYC. We run, a, we run at least one game every Wednesday night, um, sometimes Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. All right. um, Helen, if, is this your first time using Google Hangouts? Yes, it is. Google Hangouts is, um, I haven't tried it, but apparently it's really great for gaming, especially long distance, and I would love to be in a game with you. Um, oh, that'd be cool. So I'll grab your email from this thing, and we can try to set something up sometime. Um, but I would really like that, because you sound like a really awesome person. So. Thank you. Yeah, sound awesome too. And I'm telling you, you'd have a very different experience in New York City. Yeah. That's, that was just so unbelievably unethical from an academic standpoint. I, and, and I think. And maybe I, I get a little ranty because one of the things I teach yeah. in my information literacy for public management course is a whole unit on ethics and academic ethics. Oh, yes. Okay. In the internet, so um, I I would like to just plug one thing. Absolutely. Um, uh, the <laughs> the um the video for my speech is on YouTube, um, and I would like people to to watch it and comment on it or like send me what you think about it. Um, it's called Quantum Persons: Troubles Imagining Post-Human Personhood in Mass Effect. Um. It's about. Oh, goodness. Send me a link so we can like put it in the show notes. Okay, sweet. I'll Facebook you the link. So. Thanks. I yeah. think we know yeah. how to persons. I have one thing to plug too that sure. has nothing to do with gaming. Uh, who cares? Uh, there's, there's a group that I was trying to raise money for until recently because well that specific thing went down. But uh, it, the group is called Operation Underground Railroad and they fund. Uh, mm. Missions to go end child sex slavery rings. So if you have time to look into it, it's called Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, they also uh, go by Child Rescue, and there's a group on Facebook called The Abolitionists that is related to it as well. All right, send me that information. We'll get it on the show notes. I'll pass that on to a couple of my students who are doing semester projects on sex trafficking this semester. Ooh. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so the uh, standard uh, plugs for this podcast, uh, Fear the Con is happening in June. Um, everybody should be there um, because it's a great con. Uh, I'll be running Fear the Charity um, 
at the convention. Uh, I'm running a raffle as well as a, a overnight dungeon crawl. So remember when you guys were back in college and you stayed up all night drinking and um, a whole bunch of killing and looting. Um, we'll and lots there. and lots of Doritos. And lots and lots of Doritos. I'm going to be running that. Um, and uh, if you survive the night, you as a player and you as a character, you get um, uh, $50 gift cards um, for that. Um, I have three people and I've got three open slots. Uh, so please... Um, uh, get a hold of me if you're going to be at uh, Fear the Con this year. Eric, are yeah. you including me in that three people? Yes. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if you were or not, so. Yeah, no, I am. Derek, why don't you give us the location of the con? Oh, hmm. St. Louis, Missouri. My bad. I, you know, it's like. Yes, it's St. Louis, Missouri, is uh, where the convention is. It's uh, and when June is it? 11th through the 14th, I think. 11th. So 14th. it conflicts with Origins? Yeah, I know. Origins oh. failed by the not by not checking with us first. Um, so, because um, you know that Fear the Fear the Con is the more important uh, convention. So, absolutely. Yeah, um, so yeah, um, yeah, I was a little bit miffed because I was going to go to Origins as well. But yeah, I'll um, be at Origins this year. Well, uh, tell me, tell me how that goes. Um, last couple of times I went to Origins, it was going a little bit downhill. So um, please let me know. As long as you have um, your event tickets in advance, I had no problem. Okay. And, and the con is, like, well attended and all that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and um, Universal Storytelling System is being released in June. Um, I am only selling physical copies at conventions, um, So, uh, but I will be selling PDFs online. So if you want a physical copy, either print it out from the PDF or uh, buy it uh, at uh, the, at one of the conventions. Um, Rats! So I will send you one, Helen. Okay. <laughs> so that's yet another reason to go to Fear the Con, then? That is totally another reason to go to Fear the Con. I already or, have my plane tickets for Origins. Are they still the Universal Storytelling System at Origins? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No. <laughs> and I'm running at uh, at uh, Fear the Con too, so running there and um, GamerX, which is happening mid July. Um, I'll be I have a booth there now too. Uh, really? Yep. Good for you. And uh, so I'll be in San Francisco um, mid July. Um, and I'm sure that uh, Josh will put up a bunch of other plugs because that's what he does. Um, if he doesn't like have to hide my body somewhere from thanks to the trio over there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I blame the other two. I didn't swear a whole lot. <laughs> a whole lot. That's true. But, you know, considering the vast <laughs> plethora of uh, swear words coming from Adam and, and Taylor, I just... Uh, but well, just have Josh send me a nasty email. We were talking right. about it in the pre-show, and I just I couldn't live with myself if I didn't say f- whistle. Okay. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. Yeah, it's been said. And with that said, folks. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, Derek. Derek, I just want to do two quick shout-outs. One is to Chris Hussey, who three times has denied the shout-out to me on Fear the Boot. Uh-huh. I want to give a shout-out to Chris. And then the other one is to Annika and Leaf, the other two uh, from the Exalted Chat. You know who you are. I miss you guys. Cool. Well. Excellent. Well, last episode, 
Uh, we have established Megacon bots roll out. This episode, we want to establish it don't matter if your character loves a man or a woman, play what you want. Thanks very much, everybody. See ya. Thanks. See ya. Bye. 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 Please visit us at www.theestablishedfacts.com and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theestablishedfacts. If you'd like to support us by buying some merchandise, visit cafepress.com slash castingrobot. Bonus.